take our Bibles together to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 2. 2 Timothy, chapter 2. And the doctrine of the message tonight will really help us to know how to study our Bibles the way we ought to. Bible study is is a necessity, but a lot of people don't know how to do it. I mean, it's not just open it up and, you know, and you can't even go by stuff you read anymore. You get a book on, on the Bible and that doesn't mean it's going to be um, sound or fundamental in what it's saying or helpful to you. Well, how do I study the Bible? I think tonight's lesson will help us with that. How do I understand the Bible? It's one thing to study it. It's one, another thing to understand what it's saying and why are there parts of it that I just have no clue and I don't have any answers for. And I think uh, tonight's lesson will also help us to be able to explain the Bible to people that will ask us questions about it, maybe questions that are difficult, and uh, maybe this would shed some light on all of that. So I'm in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and the verse is number 15. It's the only, it starts with the word study, and if there was no other reason to hold on to your King James Bible, it's because that's the only version that says study. The only place in your Bible that tells you to study the Bible is removed by modern versions. Is that not pretty telling? They'll say something like, be diligent to show yourself approved unto God. That's different than studying. Matter of fact, study is a bad word. It's a curse word today. God forbid if they send kids home with homework to go study. Or they put a child in study hall. That was like purgatory for School kids. Because there's nothing worse than having to study. And yet God tells us to study. And we need to study the word of truth. That's what this verse is about. And so I would say this. Unless you put something into the Bible, you probably won't get anything out of the Bible. So if you've not studied the Bible, don't blame the Bible that you that, that, that it just doesn't make sense. If... You know, people that say that they don't read it and they don't try to understand it and they don't try to study it out and find out what it means. But there are some rules to good Bible study and we'll go over them tonight in this verse. He said in verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto God. That means you're going to be a failure before God if you don't study. If you don't study. He didn't say, pastor, you study. Do we believe this is written just to Timothy or is this written also to us? This is to you. So if, if you are going to be approved unto God, you gotta study. You gotta work at it. You gotta study about, not just study the Bible, study about how to be a good Christian. You ought never quit, you ought never stop learning how to be a better Christian. You ought never stop learning how to, how to be a better husband, a better father, a better mother, a better wife, a, a better, uh, uh, helper. A better uh, uh, member of the body of Jesus. and It ought to be something that you study to learn. And it's just like 
study halls. So many times people don't want to go any farther. They don't want to know anything else. And I just, and then, of course, then you're not approved unto God. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman. Well, there's another dirty word. Study and then work. That means it's work to study. That's why we send kids to school because they need to learn to work. And not just work digging a ditch, but work in a book. Work their brains. People have put their brains in neutral. And that's why they're brain dead. They've stopped working their brains. We study to show ourselves approved unto God so that we can be a workman. In other words, here's another important thing about this verse. We don't study to get the big head. We don't study so we'll know more than everybody else. We don't study to show off our education. We don't study so uh, we're the brightest person in, in, in the building or in the room. We study so that we can work for God well. Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman. We learn these things so that we can put them into practice in our life. If all we do is learn the Bible and we don't do anything with the Bible, then you're just as much a deadbeat as a person that doesn't ever care about the Bible. We're not just sponges that suck up things. We, we want to give out what we have learned. So study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. I mean, if we know how to win people to Christ, but we don't ever go do that. If we know the things, the good doctrines of the Bible, but we don't ever propagate them, if we don't ever put them out there, then we're not using what God's given us the information for. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Now look at the last phrase of verse 15. Rightly dividing the word of truth. So if you study the Bible correctly, you have to rightly divide the word of truth. Now, it says rightly divide. That means that you can wrongly divide it. And there's a lot of people that wrongly divide. But there are some people that don't divide it at all. There are divisions in the Bible that are placed there to help you understand what's going on, to help you understand what God is communicating, to understand what God is doing and what He's saying. There are divisions in there. So there's no question that the Word of Truth, the Bible, has been divided. You, and you need to know what those divisions are. And if you don't understand those divisions, you're not going to understand the Bible. But you have to divide it rightly. You've, you've got to let the Bible show you where the divisions are instead of you making them up yourself. Or listening to somebody else that says, I'll just put it this way. This is probably maybe a shocking comment. Somebody might come to you and say, this verse in the Bible is not for you. That could be a true statement. It could be a lie. Um, there's a big thing. You know, I just saw somebody had to come tell me Charles Stanley died. His son, Andy Stanley, 
He tells a lot of people that a lot of things in the Bible aren't even really true. I'll say this and put it on the internet. I believe Andy Stanley is a heretic. He's a heretic. I've heard enough of what he has said. But but if somebody comes and say, well, this 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 Bible verse is not for you, that might be true and that might be a lie. And how do you know? You will not know unless you know how to rightly divide the word of truth. Now, before I get into rightly dividing, not only are we supposed to divide the word of truth, but look over the book of Hebrews. This I've got to say this because it sort of jumps out at me before I start this little Bible study. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, the Bible says in verse number 12 about itself, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the what? Dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow is discerned of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This is, this is amazing. So you're supposed to rightly divide the Bible, but the Bible's also supposed to rightly divide you. You see that? It's supposed to divide asunder the things of the, of your soul and your spirit. This is a living book and it'll get down into your soul and it'll get down into your spirit. And it'll start cutting away at you. So not only do we divide the Bible, but the, but the Bible divides us. If we'll let, I tell you what, this book will slice off and divide you from a lot of lifestyles that you probably want to live. It'll probably divide you from the thoughts that you're tempted to think. So this is a dividing book, but you've got to know how to divide it yourself. So what are their divisions? So the, the Bible's divided in more than one way. The first point I'll give you about Bible study and about understanding how to divide it is it's divided between people. In other words, God, the first rule, the very first rule of Bible study, this is elementary 101 Bible college education. The first rule is who is being spoken to. Do you know that every verse in the Bible is not being spoken to you? You say, oh, what are you talking about? Sure it is. God didn't tell you to build an ark. Right. <laughs> Somebody said, well, that's foolish. I, I had a guy, he, he smoked too much dope, but he was saved out of a rescue mission. And Jimmy Hood from up in Ohio sent him down to our church in Virginia that I was pastoring. He came in that, he, he started, he started growing, he started, and one day he opened up Jeremiah and it said, go to the nations, and he thought that that was for him. He thought everything God was telling Jeremiah, God was telling him, it's a really good thing that he didn't think he was Isaiah. Because he had to walk naked and barefoot. Or it's a good thing he didn't, he didn't think he was Hosea. You understand? He married a prostitute. God told him to. So the first rule of Bible study is, who is God speaking to? And so here's the division. First 
Corinthians, and every verse of the Bible can be divided between three different groups of people. Every verse of the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 32. So the first way to divide, my, by, divide the Bible is you divide it between people, people groups. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 32. The Bible says, Give none offense neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles nor to the church of God. Those three are three very separate, different, distinct groups of people. Jews are not Gentiles. And the church is neither one of them. Thank God. In Christ Jesus, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. In other words, here's, here's something for identity how we identify. You know how we are supposed to identify? We're supposed to identify with Jesus. That's our identity. He is our identity. We belong to Him. And so the church of God is a separate group of people from either the Jews or the Gentiles. Everything in your Bible was either spoken to the Jewish people, spoken to Gentile people, or is spoken to the church of God. If you take a verse that was spoken to the Jews and you try to make a doctrinal application to the church, you have a false doctrine called British Israelism that steals the promises that God gave uh, to the 12 tribes of Israel. And I'll tell you what else you'll, you'll become. You'll, you'll be a believer in what's called covenant theology. Now, I'm not going to talk over your head. I'm going to try to make it real plain to you. But, but just suffice it to say... That we divide the Bible so because we believe what God says about the coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is going to come to this earth and reign for a thousand years. We're not bringing in the kingdom. We're not living in the physical kingdom of Jesus. If you did not divide the Bible correctly, you would look at many of the promises about the kingdom and you'd apply them to the church. And you say, well, and that's exactly what the Catholic Church does. They apply the promises to Israel saying that they are ruling a spiritual kingdom on earth. Bunk! That's wrong. That's taking promises, things spoken to another group of people that he never spoke to the church. So that, that's one. And a lot of the Calvinists, they're the Reformed theology and the, the covenant theology, and they just blend up. And here's what they'll say. They'll say, well, you know, it's all one Bible, and so uh, everything in the Old Testament that was to the Jews is all now to us. You have lost your mind. The, you know, the Old Testament Sabbath of Saturday is now, is now the New Testament Sabbath, which is Sunday. Wrong. That's not, that's not what's written in the epistles. <laughs> do, you know, do you know holy waters even in the Bible? But it was a promise. It was something spoken to the Jewish people. They would take that holy water. And so the Catholics just go, they steal that. They think that's for the church. And so we have holy water. No, that's, that's, I'm sorry. I want to see somebody, though, apply to the church that water, that bitter water they made them women drink. Do you see how? Now, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. So if a man gets jealous of his wife and believes that she's committed adultery on him, 
but he can't prove it. He goes to the priest, and the priest gets some dirt and says some words and, and puts it in water and makes her drink it. And, and she has to say that she's not guilty. If she says she's not guilty, she drinks the bitter water. If she drinks the bitter water and she was lying, then her belly's going to rot and her thigh's going to rot. But if she's telling the truth, she, she gets, she's pregnant. Did y'all know that was in the Bible? Now, what, what ignoramus would read that in the Bible and say, they would come to the pastor and say, Pastor, let's do the bitter water thing. You, should, you have to write. Now, you laugh at that. That is a part of the Word of God. That is real. That's not a joke. But it was spoken to the Jewish people. It was never spoken to the church. You've got to make the distinction. Is this being spoken to me? Okay, so the Gentiles. There's, a, there's some verses in the Bible about, you know, people going to hell and Jesus casting people into hell. Well, that's written to people. That's not written to me because I'm part of the church of God. Jesus will never look at me and say, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire. I never knew you. He can't say that to me. That's not, that's not spoken to me because I'm a part of the church of God. I'm a part of his body. He would have to deny himself to deny me. So a lot of times people misapply verses in the Bible and they come up with losing their salvation because maybe something said to the Gentile people and they try to apply that to the church and you just can't do that. You say, preacher, how do I know the di- distinction? Well, it, it takes study to understand the distinction. I, I'm going to move on. This, is real, this material could take like, I don't know, I don't know how long I taught this in Bible Institute setting, probably about, 30 hours or something like that. But I want to just give you these four ways to divide the Bible. The second way to divide the Bible, not just between people groups, but a division of testaments and covenants or covenants. Really, the word testament and covenant is like an interchangeable word. You see that in the book of Hebrews. So you need to divide the Bible between covenants. Now, when you just talk about covenants, now when I say testament, you immediately you think of, oh, Old, New Testament. There is probably nobody in here that can't see that division, right? Old Testament, New Testament. That's pretty easy, right? But it's a little deeper than that. But, but suffice it to say, that's a start. Of course, the people that make fun of, of God's people say, you know... The God of the Old Testament was the mean God, and the God of the New Testament was, was the loving God. And, of course, that's not true. It's the same God of both Testaments. But they are different Testaments. They're divided. But with covenants, it goes farther than that, okay? It's not just Old and New Testament. Uh, the division of covenants, okay? God made a covenant with Adam. He made a covenant in the garden with Adam. He didn't make that covenant with you. You are not in a state of innocence. And you can drink all the barley green you want to drink. Amen. And eat all the plants you want to eat and say, well, we need to get back to the Garden of Eden, you know. And if we just go back to the Garden of Eden and we don't eat any animals because Adam didn't eat any animals in the garden. Sorry, that's not your covenant. (laughs) That's not where you live. (laughs) 
People do that. Uh, you've got another covenant made with Adam after he fell. There was a covenant made with Noah. Now, we, we can, we can understand, we're still under that covenant. The reason that people need to be put to death if they kill someone is because God made a covenant with Noah and said that's the way it's supposed to be and it's an everlasting covenant that will not stop. Okay? That's another thing. Some covenants are temporary. Some covenants are eternal. Okay? There's, uh, so you got Noah, then you got a covenant God made with Moses. And that's what most, that Mosaic covenant, which is, which is referred to as the law, that's a covenant that he made through the man Moses. There's the Davidic covenant that, that has to do with rulership of the kingdom, a covenant God made with David. And, of course, then God made a covenant with Jesus Christ. But having said that, so you can divide the Bible between testaments or covenants. Okay, you say, easy, preacher. So, we, we believe in one Bible, but you don't believe everything in that Old Testament is directed to you, or you'd be, you'd be doing sacrifices. Right? You, you don't? Guys, now, we've got all kind of verses in the Bible that says things that were written, Romans chapter 14, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the things that were written aforetime were written for our admonition, were written for our example. You can learn something from every book of the Bible, every verse of the Bible. We preach through Old Testament books just like we preach through New Testament books because they are for us to learn. But that does not mean that I need to eat a lamb during Passover. Do you know there there are Catholics and Orthodox people, they kill lambs every year during Easter season, and they think, I'm thinking, are you guys Jewish? I mean, I like lamb too, but I don't have to eat it on that day. But it's because of confusion that, oh, this is what we're supposed to do. No, that was said under a different covenant to different people, the dietary laws. Guys, there, there are fundamental preachers that get up and say, you can't eat catfish. I've heard them. You're not, eating, you're not supposed to eat catfish. Wrong covenant. <laughs> Wrong testament. Can't eat lobster. Can't eat shrimp. Can't eat pork. That's the wrong testament. None of those things are said in the New Testament. Matter of fact, the opposite is said. Every creature of God is good to be received, to be received with thanksgiving and prayer, sanctified by the Word of God and prayer. So you say, preacher, I got that. Well, let me ask you a question. Where, where did the Old Testament stop? Go to Luke chapter 16. It's not left for us to guess about it. God tells us where it stopped. You say, well, my Bible at the end of Malachi says the end of the Old Testament. <laughs> that ain't, that's not good enough. The, te- the Old Testament stopped at a very specific time. And Jesus even, now, the next two things I'm going to give you, the next two things I'm going to give you, you probably will not even, you, if you went to seminary, you probably wouldn't hurt in seminary. Because I never did. I don't know why. It's right there in black and white. Luke chapter 16, watch it. Jesus said, verse 16, the law and the prophets were until who? So when did the law stop? John the Baptist. 
You see that in the Bible. The law and the prophets were until John. And then John started something new. He started something different. John the Baptist. So that is a division that is dividing something. If I know that the law and prophets are until John, I know where the law stops. And now we can, I would go into what's going to start. But but I'm not going to do that right now. So my next question is, where did the New Testament start? You say, preacher, right here in my Bible, it says Matthew chapter 1, the beginning of the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 9. Well, that's not where it started. How do we know where the New Testament started? Not because some theology class said something. Or somebody wrote a book about it. Because the Bible tells you where to divide things. Hebrews chapter 9, the Bible says in verse number 15, all this chapter is about the Old Testament and the New Testament, or the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. He said in Hebrews chapter 9, in verse number 15, and for this cause he, that's Jesus, the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is... There must also of necessity be the death of the testator. Watch 17. For a testament is of force. What's the next word? After men are dead. Otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. You see what God just said. The testament could not, and you know that with... Maybe your mother or your, or your dad or your grandparents, maybe they've got a will. And you know what's in the will. You know what's in the last will and testament. But you know what's true? Nothing that's in there starts until they croak. Is that not right? You can look at that document all day and say, wow, I get it all. And brother, you don't get anything. I get it all. But it doesn't matter what is there until the death of the testator. So this is about the New Testament. The New Testament was not in force and did not begin until the death of the testator, which is Jesus Christ. The shedding of his blood, the death, his death on the cross started the New Testament in force. Everybody got that? That's called a division of a testament. Of course, inquiring minds will say, if the law stopped at John and the New... What's this in between? For a lot of people, a lot of confusion. But you know what? I'm not even going to deal with that tonight. Because this is not Bible Institute. This is Bible study. But just understand that testament began with the death of Jesus. Something brand new started when Jesus died on the cross. And everything from his death to the present time is a division of understanding in the Word of God of what's going on. That doesn't mean the law is bad. The Bible says the law is good. The law is holy. The law is spiritual. That's Romans chapter 7, verse 12 and verse 14. He said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, 8, the law is good if you use it lawfully. 
We need to use it on the Gentiles. We need to use it on lost people. And we need to use it for our own example and for our own instruction. For our own learning. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. We're not saying in these divisions, he said rightly dividing the word of truth. He didn't say getting rid of the Bible. You need to read Numbers, amen, just like you need to read uh, 1 Peter. (laughs) You need all the Bible. But you've got to be able to divide it so you're not going to get confused. All right, then go to Hebrews chapter 1. There's a division of people. There's a division of testaments or covenants. And then there's divisions of time. How do you know that? Because the verse says it here. Hebrews chapter 1, the Bible says in verse number 1, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Well, that tells me this. In different time periods, God speaks differently. And he says different things. Sundry times, divers manners. Preacher, I'm waiting for God to speak to me through a donkey. He did that once, but he's not doing that today. Different time period. You see, Balaam didn't have 66 books bound up that he could carry around. He didn't have that. Oh, I'll never forget a woman come up to me in my church in Virginia, and she, she stopped me, and she's, she told me she saw Jesus. Now, the only problem was this woman married a man in my church. His wife died, and he was a widower. He was a little older. He married this woman, and she wasn't a Baptist. I mean, she seemed to be a saved lady, but she wasn't a Baptist. But she cornered me up in front of the church and said, Jesus has spoken to me. I said, how do you know? She said, I saw him in my bedroom. I said, how do you know it was Jesus? She said, well, I know Jesus. I said, <laughs> I said, is that right? Yeah. I said, when you saw him, what did you do? Did you fall on your face? Well, no, I was listening to what he was saying. I said, you didn't see Jesus. If you saw Jesus, you'd fall on your face just like John fell on his face in John chapter 1. You'd fall on your face like a dead man. That's what you'd fall Well, in the Bible, are you listening to me? Jesus appeared. God appeared to these people. Yeah. But, you know, in sundry times, in divers' manner, but now in this time, we live in a totally different time. Matter of fact, let's look at these divisions of time. I just got a few minutes left. But go to 2 Peter chapter 3. I'm not even going to get to the difference of dispensations. I'll just give, that's the last one, a division of dispensations. And a dispensation is not a period of time. A dispensation is just how God deals with people, how he dispenses truth to people. And I'll just say this, while you're turning there to say, what did I say, Second Peter chapter 3. Um, God deals with people differently, with different rules. You know, God, can, God makes all the rules. God has made certain rules for our dispensation that are different. He can make the rules. Matter of fact, He can even change the rules in the middle of the dispensation. Dispensation, that's how God deals with people. His rules. Okay, during the law, He said this. He said, if you commit adultery, 
you die. That, that was the law. That was his, his dispensation with all the people in Israel. Okay, if you commit adultery, you, you die. If you kill somebody, you die. That was not only in the Mosaic Covenant, that was in the Noahic Covenant. That was in that Old Testament, but it was even before that Old Testament. But here, here David does both. And you know what God does with David? He changes all the rules for David. He gave him what's called the sure mercies of David. He gave him a di- he gave David his own dispensation. He doesn't kill him. The lo- God Almighty said you had to die. I'm not talking about twice. But God gave David a special dispensation. You say that's not fair. No, whatever God does is right. And that, that's our problem anyway. God's not fair. God don't have to be fair to you. God is God. You just fall down and say, whatever you say. David was ready to die. He knew what God had said. God gave him a different dispensation. Jesus Christ, when he was on this earth, he only preached to Jewish people. He said, I'm only come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He didn't go all over the world. But here comes this Canaanite woman. And he looks at this Canaanite woman and said, you're not in the right dispensation. This, you'll have to wait until I leave. You don't, you don't even get in on the children's bread. I, I don't even talk to you. And she kept on. She said, he said, you know what? I'm going to give you your own dispensation. But that did not change the fact he didn't just stop right there and start preaching to all the Gentiles. He went right back. You understand? That's what dispensations are. And one of the hard things in the Bible is to see how God is dealing with humanity. Because He doesn't deal with every generation the same. I'm in 2 Peter to show you the division of time. So I just jumped over the dispensation. Division of time. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse Number four, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was. Do you see that? You're living in a different world than that. And that world, that old world, was overflowed with water. Now, for the people that want to put the gap and all this pre... No, 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 no. This is a flood. He mentions it in the previous chapter. Look at Second Peter chapter 2, verse number 5. And spared not the what? The what? The old world. You don't live in the old world. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person of preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. So 2 Peter 3, he's talking about the same thing. 2 Peter 2 is talking about this flood that wiped out humanity. So here's the division. Before the flood was a different world. Do you see that? So here comes somebody that starts criticizing the Bible and said, you know human beings can't live to be 900 years old. This is a fairy tale. No, it was a different world. It's a different division of time. 
It's a totally separate world than our world is. The Bible talks about the times, I'll just throw a few of these out. The times of the Gentiles. Jesus talked about the times of the Gentiles. That's Luke 21, 24. And that's when the holy city will be trodden and controlled by others, by the Gentiles, Revelation 11, 2. And that started at the first captivity of Israel and it'll go all the way until the king restores the kingdom. That's the times of the Gentiles. Then the Bible talks about another division of time. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. So there's a time, and it is our, I don't have time to get through all the, this church time. The day you live in right now is the accepted time. God's accepting everybody if they'll just come to repent and believe on Him. This is the day of salvation. This is the day to get saved. So this time period of the day of salvation, which is this church time, is a totally different time period than other times in the Bible. Well, 1 Timothy 4.1 talks about the latter times. Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. You say, preacher, how does it help me to understand these divisions? Because just like I'm preaching on Sunday morning, guys, if you don't understand what time you live in, you're in danger. You are in the last times. You are in perilous times. You are in days of apostasy before the coming of the Lord, and you've got to understand where you live. You have to understand your life so you know how to function in it. (laughs) I just wish we could get back to the early church and Pentecost come. That's not the time we live in. We live in days of apostasy. And the Lord told us it was coming. So you have all these divisions of time. There's another division of time. It's the time of trouble. Or the time of tribulation as the Bible, of your tribulation, the Bible also calls it. It's not called the day of salvation. It's called the day of the Lord. That is a very certain time frame. And that will happen when the church leaves all the way until Revelation chapter 20 verse 9. It's called the day of the Lord. And guys, we have to leave here for God to start dealing with the people of Israel again. Because look. God is not a bigamist. He doesn't have two wives at one time. God was married to Israel. Today, God is joined to a a church. He's not going to start dealing with Israel again until our relationship is finished with Him. And so there's a time of trouble coming, and I'm glad I won't be here. And anyone that doesn't understand that mixes up. Even Daniel's 70th week, all of that is about the Jewish people. There is nothing about the tribulation that has anything to do with a saved, born-again Christian. Nothing. It's the time of Jacob's trouble. It's the time of their trying. It's, it'll be the trying of the world. But we'll, we'll be gone.
And then there's the times of refreshing and restitution. That's Acts chapter 3, verse 19 and 21. Prophesies of the return of our Lord Jesus Christ to this earth. And Revelation 20 says, a thousand years. He says it over and over. A thousand years. A thousand years. A thousand years. That is a very different time. You try to get the line to lay down with the lamb now, and you're outside of the division. You see that? But it will happen. And some of those old timers read the book of Revelation and tried to put it in the church. They just didn't divide the Bible right. They're good people, but you've got to know where you are. <laughs>